next to you. It's good to be here on Wednesday night. How many are glad you made it tonight? This is the full section over here. Look how full this section is over here. Amen. We, you, we need you to rub off on the other side over here on my section. I don't know what it is about me, but no one likes my section. Amen. You look good in the middle, too, as well. Well, it's an awesome night. It's Wednesday night. We lo- how many love Wednesday nights? Well, obviously you do because you're here. Amen. And uh, we're excited to see what God is doing now about a month, not even a month later from when we started our, our challenge of harvest time. How many have just seen, felt, and known that God is doing something? Ever since we started that beginning of October, we've seen God come through over and over and over again. And just, just seeing the fruit so, so quickly has been amazing because I believe that what we've seen isn't even the fruit yet. Because stuff doesn't use, this is just the little, the little buds that are coming up that show you that the grass is going to grow or that a tree is coming. And if you've, been, if you've sown seed and you've been faithful in all those things and praying and fasting, just know that more is coming. Amen. More blessings, more breakthrough, more uh, victories. Amen. How many have seen some victories in the last month? Amen. Seeing God do some amazing things. So I'm, I'm excited tonight to tell you that we're, we, we talked about the sign Sunday. And by the way, welcome those that are watching online. Everybody look over here to the middle section and, and right here where the camera isn't. Y'all looking? Notice there's no camera there? That's because we're using the new cameras tonight. Amen. We're using the new ones tonight. Praise God. So we have three cameras going, and so now they're coming from behind, and they're showing the crowd sometimes, so be reading your Bibles and being taking notes, and, and don't be talking to the person next to you, because they're behind you now. So it's like God just standing over your shoulder, amen? But it is exciting that they're working tonight, and we thank God for all the time that's been put in to get them ready. So uh, we, we've got more room in the middle now. We'll have to add some seat, seating in there. And uh, besides that, we have a Spanish translator right now. Over there, someone is translating in Spanish right now. And we've got some really good quality, right, David? Sounds amazing. David is using it right now. We're testing things out. We did it Sunday. And we're going to have people translating every service. And we've got really good but very expensive translators. And so as we continue to need them, we'll buy more. Amen. How many could just see a whole section of people sitting somewhere else listening to the service in Spanish because they don't even fit in here? Amen. How many can see that tonight? So you can start inviting your family and friends that don't speak English. We're working on getting subtitles on YouTube and Facebook so that the message can go across in, in Costa Rica. And we know some people that want to watch down there. And so that's happening. So I just want you to realize that when we do things, we do what we say we're going to do. The sign's going to be up in two weeks. Can't wait till the 29th of November when that sign goes up. Amen. And it's going to say Jesus again. Two or three times bigger than it was when it was at our old building. And we thought that was a big sign. God said, don't worry, I got, I got something bigger for you. If you didn't get to see it Sunday, there it is. That's our sign that's going to be up on the 29th of November. Amen. And so we, we talked about all these things. We talked about, well, actually, we didn't even talk about a sign. That wasn't even in the plan. That was just something God threw in. But we talked about the cameras, the, the money for the movies. You heard the sound out at the movies, how quickly that came in. 
And then we talked about the translators. So everything we said we were going to do, we've already bought, and they're already working today, less than, less than a month later. Amen? Can we give the Lord another big praise tonight? Amen? That he's faithful. So I want to tell you something tonight and challenge you tonight on something else. I want you to begin, like never before, to share YouTube. Maybe you never have shared. We need, we need to now, I've, I've always said this, I never, I never wanted to do TV. Everybody knows I never wanted to be on live stream. I never wanted to do it, but COVID uh, came and God had a different plan. And so now we have people watching from all over the place. And because we're doing it, we might as well do it good. We might as well do it big. We might as well reach a lot of people. So we need you to start sharing it. We need you to start putting it on every kind of different uh, medium that you can think of. Amen. Just, just different ways. Uh, Mike V. Hill over here. Raise your hand on the way on this side. He knows all kinds of places that he can tell you to share YouTube and Facebook too, and all kinds of ways to get more traffic to our YouTube channel. How many would like to, us to begin to see thousands of people watching on YouTube instead of hundreds? Amen? Thousands. Because there's people out there that don't, that don't know the gospel yet, and they can, they can be you know, opening up a page, and if you watch YouTube at all, you open up things you watch, and there's something there to try to invite you to come watch there, and, and, and it grows that way. And so we want to keep reaching people. So we're going to continue to be uh, on top of that. So find ways. Ask people, how do I do this? So we can continue to share to Facebook and YouTube and get that going more and more. Amen? Our vision is to reach, teach, and send, and I'm so excited about Wednesday nights, and this doesn't mean this is going to go on all the time, but for the last few weeks, Pastor Mario's been preaching, and uh, I felt led to ask Brian to preach tonight. You know, Brian has been with us for a long time. We've seen him get married to his wife. I was looking at some pictures uh, a while back, and I was, I was looking at a, um, a picture of a nursery meeting that I took, and I didn't even know Joy was already with us when we, that, that far back. And she was far, she's been, she goes way back. And so God's been doing tremendous things in this couple. Uh, their child is seeing miracles. And uh, he has a call of God on his life. How many believe that tonight? How many know that when we let people get up here to preach, it's because there's a call of God on their lives? And that's our vision. And I believe, I don't know when, but I believe one day, Brian will be pastoring his own church somewhere. I believe Dwayne and Myra are going to be pastoring again. Amen. That was just up here. I believe there's more of you out there that don't even know yet. And you're going to be pastoring because until Jesus comes, we're going to do our vision. But the, we can't do that if we don't give people the opportunity to grow. And I told Brian, I want you to get up and preach like this is your church. Because this isn't my church. This is Jesus' church. Amen. How many know this is the Lord's church? I'm very blessed and thankful to be able to lead this church, but it's not my church. And I was thinking the other day, when I, when, if, I, if something happened to me, if the Lord to took me home, or something happened, or called me someplace else, I, this church would be in good hands. We have a lot of good preachers in this church, and this church would go on, and this church would grow, and that's the way it's supposed to be, because it's not supposed to be built on a person. Amen? I understand. There's nothing wrong with, listen, I want to hear Pastor Jones preach every message I ever listen to. That's just, that's just me. I love my pastor's preaching. I love Pastor Paul's preaching. But we have to get to the place where we, we, we're not coming to hear a person. We're coming to hear the Word of God. And that's where our church is mature to tonight. Amen? So put your hands together. 
Give Brian lots of amens tonight as he comes to minister the word. Amen. 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 No pressure. Amen. Well, it's good to see everyone here tonight on this Wednesday night. Um, I just want to thank Pastor, obviously, for the opportunity. A lot of people, they, they want people to grow, but they don't really give them an opportunity. And, and Pastor is definitely one of those. He stands by his word, and he gives us opportunities that other people may not. And he sees stuff in us, I can speak for the men, that sometimes we don't even see in ourselves. So I'm definitely thankful for that. Amen? Amen. So Pastor was just going over some of the things that's happened whenever we, we, that harvest time where we were planting and some of the fruit that we saw from it. And obviously we've seen finances, we've seen different things, but one of the things that was so special was that Sunday morning in the prayer room and where we, we couldn't even have service at the 9 a.m. because everybody was in the prayer room, God's spirit was being poured out. And one of the things that stood out to me was just seeing John and Ceci's oldest daughter walking out and she's wiping her tears and things that you you can't fake that so so those things you know God is involved God is moving and just kind of how um in the prayer we're being challenged to to meditate on his word and to to delight in the ways of the Lord and things like that I want to give us another challenge tonight amen? amen and it's one of those things where I'm not challenging everybody out here I'm challenging myself first and challenging us collectively because at the end of the day this is just the beginning and we know that the closer we get to the return of Jesus he wants to do more and more in our church he wants to do more and more in our lives and in our services amen so how many are ready for a challenge amen, amen. just a couple people maybe people online are ready for the challenge amen now before we get into the word back when I was in college uh, I always wanted to be a part of something special I always wanted to make an impact. I wanted to do different things. So one, one year, I decided to help out with a, a presidential campaign. This is before I was saved. And so I volunteered. So when I volunteered, I made calls. Um, I, I went out and did different things. But when I was a volunteer, I, I supported the cause, but I wasn't, it wasn't going to consume my life. So whenever they said, hey, we need you to make calls here or there, if I had, if I had time, in my schedule, I would do it. If I didn't, I wouldn't. It was no big deal. I knew I was trying to be a part of something special. I was doing a good deed. I thought it could help people, but I was, I was a, a supporter. It's not like the person who I was helping I could call on the phone. It's not like I had a relationship with that person where they would stop what they were doing and, and listen to me. I just felt like I was helping out. And it was probably a month and a half ago during praise and worship we were singing, I think, at the altar call, the song, to, to worship you, I live. And I think it goes on to say, I live and breathe to worship you. I would, I would call my wife up here to sing it. It would be. <laughs> but um, I'm not trying to get kicked out. <laughs> so I'm not going to put her on the spot or embarrass her. But it was, when we were playing that song, I was thinking, I was like, what does that really mean? What does it mean to to worship and to live and breathe and, and worship him. And so I, I started to do a little research. And the more I looked into it, I was looking at, okay, well, you worship him, you live and breathe to worship. What would be another thing? 
and then I was thinking about a supporter, how invested is a, a supporter in a situation. So I went into the, to some definitions. So the definition of a supporter, it says someone who gives assistance, especially financially, to enable to function or enact. So there's, there's times where we just had the, the offering and we gave financially. So that doesn't necessarily seem like a bad thing. It's, it's good to give. Another definition of a supporter is someone who approves of and encourages someone or something, typically a public figure, a movement, or a party, or a policy. A supporter goes on to say it doesn't, it's a temporary or situational thing. It does some good, but a supporter, they support. It doesn't consume their life. So I was looking at the definition of a worshiper. It says a person who shows reverence and adoration for a deity, a person who feels great admiration or devotion for something or someone. So as I'm looking at that, I was like, okay, well, that's the definition of a supporter. This is the definition of a worshiper. Obviously, I'd want to be on the worshiper side, but I was thinking, what does that look like? And is that something that we can obtain to be a worshiper to where, like the song says, I live and breathe to worship you. And so looking through the Bible, I found, I found verses that I think will definitely help us to, to take that challenge on. Amen? So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for an opportunity to share your word, Lord God, and I just thank you for your grace. Lord God, we know that none of us are worthy, none of us are deserving, Lord God, of the gift of salvation. None of us are worthy or deserving of making heaven our home, but by your grace and by the work that you did on the cross, Lord God, that we can have hope, we can put our faith in you, and we can be saved. And we pray that you will speak to each and every person in this place, Lord God. Challenge us, grow us, Lord God, that we can be closer to you and that we can see you move even more and even in more mightier ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, we'll, we'll start in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Say amen when you get there. And remember, the cameras are on, like Pastor said. I wasn't sure where he was going with it. I was like, okay, it's not live stream. Don't have to be as nervous. And then he said, there's three cameras. So, <laughs> so make sure you're taking notes. And if you're not, fake it because you're going to be caught. <laughs> Amen. So, so it goes on to say in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, it says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, he being Jesus. It says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. So obviously, we think where Satan's throne is, why is there a church at Satan's throne? Are they in hell? Where are they? And if you do some research on it, and this church, there was a big altar of Zeus. And back in that day, Zeus was a Greek god, and it was demonic, and he can be looked at as another Satan. So in this, in this community, you have a throne of Satan. There was also another altar where people worshiped a false god and expected healings and, and all kinds of things. So if you, if you look at it, it's similar to the same society that we live in. You have believers, you have other people that don't believe, you have people who hate the things of God, you have atheists, and we're all in the same community. We can all be in the same city. So it goes on to say uh, where Satan's throne is, 
and you hold fast to my name, meaning that there's some people who are still believers in this society, in this community, in this church. And it says, and you did not deny my faith even in the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr. Me and my wife, we watched a documentary a couple weeks ago. It was on the seven churches, and it went into detail about each church and what life was like there and, and what a deeper meaning in the book of Revelations and what they were saying about those seven churches. And it was a great, a great documentary. The only thing was we were so excited. I don't know if we got popcorn. We had snacks. We had everything you could think of. We were like, oh, we're going to look at these seven churches. And I think it was an hour and a half, two hours long. And so we're watching it. We're excited. And we're like, okay, well, it's been about an hour, 15 minutes. We're only on the second church. I don't know if it's going to be longer or they're just going to rush through the last ones. And it was only like the first, was it the first three? First three. So we got to wait till the next one comes out. <laughs> Amen. They got us, though. But it was, it was good. I recommend it. So it says, uh, even in that story, Antipas, he was, he was one of the first martyrs in that community. And he would go out, he would preach, he would witness, he would go out to where the altar of Zeus was, similar to how we would go out on, on Thursday nights and people are on the square preaching the gospel and no matter what society is saying or whatever negative things, they went out and preached with boldness and that's what he did. And that's what he did. And he was actually martyred. It said he had a horrible death. They put him on a brazen bull and they roasted him alive. And it says, my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. It says, but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So before we go any further, just think of it. If we, if we put our church in their shoes, so we have guys and and ladies who, and even kids who go out Thursday night, they preach the word of God, they, they love on people, no matter the consequences, no matter if they get flipped off, no matter if people cuss at them, they're going out and preaching and sharing the word of God, no matter the consequences. But at the same time, not all of us go. Not all of us go on Thursday night. And even though we might be in a church where people are outgoing and people are witnessing and people are going with boldness, it's still not everybody. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you, some of you guys did this, but I have a couple things against you. It says, thus you have also those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which, thing, which the thing I hate. It says, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, that's who we want to be, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on this stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Amen? So as we look at that society, we see, man, there's believers, and there's people who get distracted. And mind you, he wasn't, he addressed it to the church. He didn't address it to the city of Denton. He addressed it to this whole church. And I don't know where we are. We, we, we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling like the Bible says. But what he's saying, if we look deeper, he's saying there's some people who are all the way sold out. And there's some people who are not in church. 
be one thing, like I said, I, I can't stress it enough. It'd be one thing if he was saying, man, in Denton, there's some people who are believers and people who are not. We know that. But he's talking about the church. And if we want to be a church where we see what we saw in the prayer room all the time, we have to be all the way sold out. We can't rely on what some guys do on Thursday. We can't rely on some guys do on Friday. We can't rely on what the ladies are doing on Saturday. We have to do it ourselves and collectively. Amen. So I want to look a little deeper. We're going to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and we'll still leave it here. And it says, and done many wonders in your name. So, it's, so you look at it and say, well, they cast out demons, they prophesy, that's what the Bible tells us. So how, how can he say not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom? But when you look at it deeper, it says, have we, not us individually, we can't get the credit for what other, how other people are sold out. We can't get the credit if, if half the church goes on a 21-day fast and we don't. And we can, be, we can even be in this place. And remember, I'm preaching to myself. We can be in this place and we can see finances come into our church. We can be in this place and we can see the spirit fall in this church. We can be in this place and we can see people get healed. But we're not going to get... We're not going to make heaven our home and not only just make heaven our home, we're not going to be overcomers off of what we see in other people's lives. And at the end of the day, just like we heard in the prayer, if we all took the challenge to be all in, not just a supporter where when it's convenient, not just when, okay, hey, some of us are doing this, some of us are doing that, I can relax, I'll pick it up next week. But when we have the mindset of I'm all in, I'm going to let it consume me. Can you imagine what we could see in this church? And, and even think about this. When pastor challenged us to sow seed and to give of our time and, and sacrifice, those things like that, those are things we could technically do all the time. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we were challenged. We as a church, we responded to the challenge, and we got to see God move. So if we took that as, let's, let's make this a habit. Let's make this part of who we are. Could you imagine what we could see on a daily basis? Amen. So in verse 23, it says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Obviously, those are the words we do not want to hear. Amen. So we'll move on to Revelations chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And don't worry, we'll get to the good part. Amen. Sometimes you can get to the point where it's almost like, man, he's, he's beating us up. We're here. We just want to get us stronger. I know um, as a coach, there's times where guys feel like, man, Coach Brian, he doesn't say anything positive. He doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. But it's to make you stronger, to make you better. And it doesn't always feel good. To grow, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Amen? So we'll begin in Revelations 3. Verse 14, it says, And to the angel of the church of, La of the Laodiceans write, 
These things say the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. It says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So meaning, you're not on fire, but you're not all the way out of here. You're kind of just in church. It says, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have no need of nothing, and I do not know that you are, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And here's this. This is the part where we say we're not beating you up. The Lord says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And we'll keep it here. And this is one of the things that I was thinking of. It says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And I want to ask this question. You don't have to answer it out loud. When was the last time the Lord rebuked you on something? When was the last time the Lord chastened you on something? Has, was it something recent? Was it something a long time ago? Is it something that continuously happens? And if you're in this place and you say, well, it's been a while. And is that because the Lord stopped rebuking and, and chastening? Or is it because we got so distracted we stopped listening? Because at, at the end of the day, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So we know there's, there's nobody in this place that's perfect. I'll, put my, I'll be the first one to say it. I'm not perfect in any way. And there's times where I can hear the Lord saying, hey, don't do that. You shouldn't have did this. But when we get to that point where we're starting to get comfortable and we don't hear those things, it's not because Jesus just stopped speaking. It's because we have to look in the mirror. That's the most dangerous part when we feel like, you know what? I've arrived. I, hey, I'm praying. I'm worshiping. I'm giving my tithes and offering. I'm going to outreach. I'm in Harvest Fest. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And if you ever get to that point where it's just like, man, I guess God is good with me. It's a dangerous, a dangerous spot to be in. Because then if, if we're not hearing him and we know he speaks, we've got to be careful. It says, therefore, be zealous and repent. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, that's who we want to be, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. How many remember last Sunday service when, when Pastor was talking about, when I believe it was James and John, and they were like, hey, Jesus, can, is it okay if we sit on the, I sit on the right hand and he sits on the left hand? And we were like, that's the craziest request in the world like how crazy is that but Jesus is saying for those who overcome I will grant to sit with me on my throne not 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 the little throne the the throne up there like we have uh I can't remember if it's over here or over there we got a nice big chair that's comfortable make you feel like you're somebody but Jesus's throne is a little different I remember one time we were in discipleship and pastor was talking about one of the most expensive, I believe it was a stone in the Philippines or somewhere, somewhere, and it was worth like 
750 million. Crazy. And that's what the fences are just built out of in heaven. So like the stuff that you don't really think about, like how many of us every single day we think about our fence? Like just, just me bringing up fence made me remember we have one. <laughs> and, and, and that's made out of what costs $750 million today. Amen. So if he's saying, hey, you can sit. Can we go back to that verse? If he's saying those who overcome, I'll grant to sit with me on my throne. That's a special, that's a special place. Amen. And, and, and we can, and you can get caught up on, okay, so I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to, no, we get to do those things because if we do it out of the wrong heart, that's not what's going to get us there. Because at the end of the day, the only reason why we even have a chance is because of what he did on the cross. It's not because of anything that we did. It's not because of anything that we said. It's not because of the way we look. It's because of who he is and what he did in us. Amen. So it says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Not what he says to the city. He's talking to all of us. Amen. We are those churches. So now that we've seen the rebukes and we've seen, hey, these are the areas you need to grow now let's look at the example of who we want to be. Let's look at the worshipers. Amen? We begin in Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 1 and 2. I don't hear those Bibles turning. The camera's, the camera's going to catch you. That's what, that's what we, as, as coaches, we, the kids always feel, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And then we start to watch film. Got you. <laughs> Got you. You want to watch it again? <laughs> yeah, film time is, that's my comedy time. Because I can say whatever I want. I got the remote. I can rewind it however many times I want. I can pause it. I can act it out. All the stuff that they feel like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't, are you sure? <laughs> Here, let's watch it again. So we're, I'm just giving everybody that reminder because honestly, I don't know where the cameras are. I don't know how close they get. I don't know if they're in your lap. I don't know if they see the back of your head. I'm just trying to help you. We post, we post stuff on social media, we, clips of service. You don't want it to be that time where you are texting. Amen? Unless, where's Chris at? Unless we're getting f footage for the judgment play. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. For those that don't know what the judgment play is, I'm going to just throw that out there. It was very good. It was very good. It was, it was definitely helpful. Now I feel like Pastor Mario when he goes and chases a rabbit and things like that. The judgment play was good. It was good. It was good. Amen. All right, so we'll continue. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. These are the worshipers. These are what we want to strive to be. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So those are, those are a lot of words, and just know that he's pleading with them said, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So something that's living, that's not, it's not dead, that's not still, that's, that's active. So we're supposed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Amen? And it says, which is your reasonable service. 
So as I look at that, that verse, and it goes back and it says, we want to be acceptable to God. And it tells us that we don't want to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means it's important the things that we put in our mind, the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the things that we see. If we want God to move in a mighty way, we can't watch things that are against God. Amen. If we want to see God do mighty things, we can't, we can't listen to things that God doesn't approve of. Amen. So go on to say, and when I was, I was taking notes and really praying and thinking about it, it says we can't know what's acceptable to God unless we're reading his word and praying. This passage says acceptable twice. So those are the things we should really focus on. So many Christians can be misled because they don't allow Jesus to renew their mind. They create their own image of God in their mind and what's acceptable to the God they formed by their imagination or opinions and not from the Bible. You know, you can talk to a lot of people and they say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm, I, I do this, I do that. God, God loves me. Don't judge me, whatever, whatever. And it's like, hey, I don't judge you, but I'll give you a tip. Open this up. Open this up and you'll be shocked at some of the things that the Jesus in your mind, I don't know, maybe their Jesus spells his name with a G or something. It's not the same Jesus that we serve. But you never know until you're reading his word. I know I was sharing with uh, the gentleman at Joelle's wedding, and we were just talking about growing up, and he said he got saved two and a half years ago. And, and I was telling him, I said, I grew up going to church every Sunday until I was 18 years old. I served in the church. I did everything. And I said, I don't remember one thing that I learned. I remembered how to act, but I didn't remember anything. And when I got saved, I told him, and it, it was funny. He actually, I never really thought about this. He, he, he phrased it in a way. He said when he got saved, he was like, he was delivered with so many things. And him and his wife got married. And he said he went into segregation for eight months when he got saved, meaning he just got alone and just tried to get alone with God and read and learn and, and things like that. And I remember when I got saved, it was similar. I didn't call it segregation. That was interesting choice of words but I just got alone for probably two months and I didn't I didn't even notice it until I have friends who I used to go hang out with do different things with they're like man you don't you always say you can't go here you can't go there like what's going on and I didn't even notice it but it's one of those things that you you can't stop and appease everybody when you're allowing God to transform your mind amen because he's the one transforming. It's not your friends. It's not you. You have to allow him to do it. It's something different. And so I want to read out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. And it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. If you're underlining, if you're on your tablet and you want to put it in bold or however people do it, I would underline that. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, in you. It says, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your hearts to the Lord. And this would be another thing to underline. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so as I was taking notes about, about that verse, I wrote down, I said, when it's in you, it consumes you. When it's on you, it's easy to brush off. It's easy to sweep away. When it's in you, even when you start to move in the supporter category, you'll be miserable or you'll know something is off. Because you can get a stain on a shirt and just brush it off nowadays. They have so many crazy detergents and they can get it off and you just don't even think about it. But when you have something burning from within you, you can't just get rid of that. And so it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. This is a challenge to those who want to be worshipers. If you're a worshiper, he's dwelling in you whether your finances are good. He's dwelling in you whether the vehicles are, are running. He's dwelling in you no matter what you see, no matter what's going on, he's, he dwells in you. But when you're a supporter, just like I said at the very beginning, when I supported that campaign, if I didn't feel like it, I just didn't do it. But when it's in you, you, you try to step away, but you can't. There's something that's pulling you back because Christ is dwelling in you. Amen. He's not just giving you a seat at the throne for nothing. Because he called you by name. If you get to the point where you really understand, Christ called me by name. So the, the least I can do is just lift my hands and worship him. Amen. The least I can do is just get to the point where it's just like, you know what? No matter what's going on, my mind is on Christ. And it's not easy. That's why he said it's a living sacrifice, renewing our mind. It's something ongoing. Amen. I want to close with a, with a couple verses. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. I hear a couple more pages. I hear a couple more pages on this side. I hope the camera's over there. Make us look good. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And as we look at that, how much do we allow Christ to consume us, consume our thoughts? Like when you wake up at night or you wake up in the middle of the night out of your sleep. And I'm not saying something random where your spouse pull the sheets in, in her sleep. <laughs> Amen. That's one of those times where you have the microphone because my wife definitely does not believe that. She thinks every time I get in the bed, I just rip all the sheets and you don't care. You're just waking me up. I'm trying to sleep. But at the end of the day, pastor said we can preach like it's our church so I can tell a couple stories. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I hope Braden's watching this. Sometimes, sometimes she is always right. Even though I might come back and I'm going to sleep and she has all the covers, blankets, whatever, wrapped under her body and a couple times. So all I try to do is just pull a little piece of the sheet just to maybe, just to maybe warm up my toe. And it's, and it's, you don't care, and well, sometimes I'll just be up there looking probably like Bria, just <laughs> freezing. But hey, happy wife, happy life, amen? That was another one of those rabbits, <laughs> amen? But, it, it, but in, in, in all seriousness, sometimes you're, you're waking up in the middle of the night. How often do we think 
man, I should pray. Maybe God woke me up for a reason. Maybe, maybe I need to read. Maybe I need to, and I feel like some of the best times of prayer are those times where you just randomly woke up at night. And there'll never be a time where it's in vain. There'll never be a time where you look back and you really intercede and you pray. It can be people that you haven't even thought about in years. There's never going to be a time where you're going to wake up in the morning and be like, man, I wish I went back to sleep and didn't pray for that person. And you might not even see the results. Me and my wife, we had this conversation the other day about fruit and things like that. And I reminded her, I was like, there's things that we won't see until we get to heaven. There's people we've prayed for. There's people we've witnessed to. There's people we've tried to encourage that we won't see the results of until we get to heaven. Amen. One of the last couple of verses we'll read in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 61. It says, let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God. See, a lot of things, it, it has to come from the heart. If we want to truly be worshipers, it's not out of obligation. It's from the heart. That's who we are. It says, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments at this day. And so the last verse we'll read out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. You know, some people, not saying anybody in here, but some people, they'll feel like, well, if it's not in the New Testament, does that mean this or that? So we're going to give you some New Testament. We're even going to give you New Living Translation. It said, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If we can leave that verse up there. So he says, he who began the good work within you. So maybe you're in this place and you're saying, hey, I was that worshiper one time. Or, man, I've never been that worshiper. I'm, I'm just trying to get to the point where I'm seen as a supporter. But if you're in this place, number one, you know God wants to do something in you. God wants to do something in every life, even the ones that reject him, even the ones that hate him. But if you're in this place, this is a great start. And if you've seen God do anything in you, he doesn't want to just leave it right there. It says, he who began the good work within you. We can look, take that as individuals. Let's take it as a church. He who began that good work in Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. He who began that good work that saw children crying, that saw people set free, that seen miracles. It didn't say, he who began that good work, it's going to stop in November. It says, he who began that good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know that we're at a point where all we got to do is just stay in it and keep our mind on him. I, I, I always go back to this point and I shared it with the guy at the wedding. When I was in college, I did a lot of crazy things that I'm not proud of. And there would be times I had my own place, so... I literally was doing whatever I wanted to do. And it would get to the point where it was so bad. I wasn't going to church. Church was never on my mind. But I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm not living right. I know my, my parents, they, they set a better example for me than, than what I'm doing. And, I was, and it was like I was close, but I was misguided. I used to be in my room, and I would put old praise and worship songs on that 
my mom used to play growing up. Some of the songs were in English, some weren't. But I would listen to it and, and I would be reminded. But I, but I never wanted to be all in. I just wanted it to comfort me temporarily. And so I, I would get in my room and, and I would even pray. But I was praying just because it was on me because I knew it's like that, that tap on your shoulder. It wasn't within me. So I would pray and say, man, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to act like this. I know I'm better than this. I was raised better than this. And then three days later, back to the same old stuff again. Back to the same old stuff again. So you might be in this place and you're saying, man, I want to be that worshiper, but I don't know if I'm just strong enough for that. And it wasn't until after I got saved, I got the revelation that we don't have to do anything. Like we get to, we got to work towards it, but we don't have to change ourselves. We have to allow him to change us. So he says that, and it says, I'm certain. That, that doesn't mean that, man, hey, there's a good chance that God can do this in you. He says, I'm certain that he who began a good work within you. So it doesn't, it doesn't even matter so much where you are today. It's just believing that whatever he started in you, maybe he started in you 10 years ago. Maybe he started in you two years ago and you drifted away. Or maybe he started it in you, who knows when, and you got comfortable. It says he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. His work. It didn't say that we'll continue our work because it's, it's, it's his work. He, he died on the cross. He did everything. There's nothing we can do to repay him. So when, when, when I hear that song, to, to live and breathe, to worship him, it's like, what else are we supposed to do? Who, who else could I, could I live and breathe for? Who else died on the cross for my sins? Who else took somebody out of depression and out of, out of to the point where you feel like you have no hope? I remember there was a time where I was so depressed before I got saved that I wouldn't talk to my siblings. And we grew up, we grew up in a house, so we were close. All my brothers and sisters, we were close because we felt like we were pretty much all we had. All our family lived in Nigeria. We would go see them when we were younger. I remember a time I was probably in sixth grade or something. We used to go to Nigeria every other year. We'd spend three months there, whatever the case. And I knew just something told me that there was something different. Like we grew up close with our cousins and we have a lot of experience that we remember to this day. But something told me that, man, you might never see them again. And many most to this day I've never seen again and and it's 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 unfortunate it's sad it's it's all of those things so we were so close because we felt like man hey we're all we have and regardless of situations we're always going to be close our families are going to be close we're this all of that there was a time where I allowed the before I was saved I allowed the devil to lie to me I wouldn't call them I couldn't talk to them even even my mom who she would sacrifice everything she would, she would work night shifts. She'd be up in the morning doing this, doing that. I was joking with my wife on our way up here. I was like, man, I didn't realize until I was probably a sophomore in college that my mom was human. And she was like, what'd you think she was? I was like, I don't know, super mom or something. Like, I didn't think she got tired. I didn't think she could get sad. I didn't think, like, because she would, she would just do it. There was no, in our household, there was no excuses. You just do it. And it was almost to the extreme. 
It was almost to the extreme of where you come home with a, with a 90. Most people's parents, they'd be happy. Not when you have Nigerian parents. They're, the first thing they'll say is, nobody got 100? <laughs> or, what do you mean you got to do? Of course, you're supposed to. But it was one of those things where growing up and there was never a time I didn't feel like I was loved or stuff like that. But the devil lied so hard that I couldn't even look at her in her face. I couldn't even talk to her because all I saw was shame and disappointment and just you're worthless. You're, you're all of that. Those words were never said. I know she never thought it. But it's like when God can take you out of that and give you, like the Bible says, a future and a hope. How can we not live and breathe to worship him? If, you, if, if whenever we get to the point where it's like, man, I'm tired, or man, we got to come to church again, think back to who you were before Christ. Would you want to be that person on Wednesday night? I would rather be tired, drinking an energy drink with Dave, <laughs> than going back to my old ways, because there's no hope in that. And man, as we bow our head and close our eyes, we should strive to be worshipers. Doesn't mean we'll always get it right every second. Doesn't mean we'll always, doesn't mean there's not days we fall short, but that should be our goal. That should be our goal. We serve a God who came down from heaven and died on the cross for our sins. Knowing that many of us would reject him, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we made mistakes, even we're not perfect, even after we get saved, we still make mistakes. We still have moments we wish we can take back. And he still loves us. He still said that we could be at his throne. Even, even the message that he sent to those churches, he didn't condemn any of them. So if you're feeling condemnation, like, man, I've, I've really messed up. Even as we read in Revelations, those people were, were falling into pagan worship. He didn't condemn them. He just called them to repent. He called them to return that zeal for him, the love for him. So maybe you're in this place, and, and first and foremost, maybe you're in this place, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to make heaven your home. You want to be a worshiper. You want to you live a life that shows how thankful you are for what God has done in your life but you don't know him. Maybe you're at that point where you haven't heard him rebuke you or correct you because you don't have a relationship with him. If you're in this place tonight with every head bowed and every eyes closed, and you're saying, tonight I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna make him Lord of my life. I don't wanna live for myself. I don't wanna have a made up image of who God is. I wanna serve the God of the Bible, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. If that's you and you want to give your life to him and you want to accept him, I just ask that you just lift up your hand with nobody watching. You're in this place and you feel like, you know what, I've, I've gone through a lot and trying to do it my own ways isn't working. I need, I need him to take over. If you're in this place and you're ready to surrender your heart to Jesus, again, I just ask that you lift up your hands with nobody looking, with nobody looking. And maybe you're in this place and you say, hey, this was, I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I definitely fall in line of the supporter where 
I love Jesus. I give like, like, like the definition says. You, you, you'll support financially. You'll do what you can. But you're not. You look at your life and you know I'm not all the way sold out. Maybe you're in this place and even when, when it's time to go to church or when a, when a new soul gets saved or when you see someone who's unsaved, it doesn't bother you as much as it used to. Or it doesn't, it doesn't you, it, it's easier to think about what you got to do for work than it is for what you want to see God do in a coworker's life. Because we know, we know our jobs are just, that's just a location, one of the locations for our ministries. And there's going to come a time, like the Bible says, on that last day when Jesus comes back for us that we're not going to be able to work anymore. We're not going to be able to, to witness. We're not going to be able to, to try and, and snatch somebody out of the fires of hell and bring them to Jesus. We don't want to live with any regrets. We don't want to live thinking, man, Lord, I, I, could have, I could have done more. Or, Lord, I could, have, I could have worshipped you more. I could, have, I could have gave my life as a living sacrifice to you, but I was more caught up on my own things. And if that's you, I want to pray for you tonight. As everybody just stands to their feet with reverence to God, nobody looking. The altars are open. And I pray that we have a, a seriousness tonight because I believe, just as, as pastor believes, maybe there's, there's things in the past where you've, you've, we've almost forgot. I know that we have a pastor that hears from God and I know that he's been praying that we can knock down that wall. The same, the same way that he heard that we're going to expand is the same way that we were able to see miracles last month. The same God that provided those miracles is the same God that wants to, to grow this place. But we have to have a heart of worship. God has to know that we have people that are hungry in this place for him. That this is a place that he can expand. That this is a place that he can grow. That this is a place that his spirit can be poured out in a way that we've never seen before. But we still have to do our part. We have to do our part on Friday night. We have to do our part on Saturday evening. We have to do our part on Thursday morning. It has to be in us. We have to let Christ dwell in us. Amen.